0: What's up, everybody? This edition of the Masters of Modern podcast is brought to you by Wizardry Foundry, makers of the Grimoire and the Grimoire Pro Tour deck boxes. These are sweet, sweet looking boxes that look like spell books that hold tons of cards. There's two different sizes. One size holds like a thousand cards, the other one holds hold somewhere around like 500. Uh, they're gourmet boxes, they are luxury. They're made of wood and uh, they they look like an awesome leather bound book, but they're not made of leather. Um, they're awesome. They're working on a new project right now to print a 3D box on. On demand for everyone. We have one with like a, an X Wing looking thing that we got. It was like a little sample. It's gonna
1: be mine. It's sweet.
0: It's real cool. Um, yeah, you can like you can like build your modern gauntlet, store it in there. Um, we we have one that we have our modern gauntlet in that's very, very cool. Um, if you guys use the promotion code MMCAST J A N 150, MMCAST JAN 150 is the code, the first lucky five people get 50% off their purchase of Grimoire on Grimoire Pro Tour in the next seven days. There is only going to be five 50% off codes, and these things are like 75 bucks. Uh, obviously, obviously, that's a great deal, and this is a really, really nice product. It's one of a kind. It, it's a smaller company, but we definitely have seen people using these things, and they are awesome, so we recommend them. Check it out, and enjoy the show.
2: Welcome, Welcome travelers. We we're aware that your journey, journey was difficult, but prepare, prepare to have your questions, questions answered, for you have been, been granted an audience, audience with. The Masters
0: of Modern. And
1: welcome back to Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co host, Ben Bateman.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the week before the Pro Tour.
1: Bah, 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 bah. I think it's two weeks.
0: No, this is. Uh, this is... Like a week and a half. It's next weekend, right?
1: Well, it's like the it's a if this comes out tomorrow, which is Tuesday, it'll be a the weekend after the next Tuesday. So
0: this is the week before the week of the Pro Tour. Sure, yeah. like
1: next week week will be our Pro Tour episode. Look,
0: Alex, do you want to argue semantics about it? We no, have I, a guest. I, I would
1: rather introduce our awesome <laughs> guest. So today we have the awesome who knows more about Pro Tours than anyone, Brian
3: David Marshall. Yeah, what's up, hey, man? Hey guys, well, thanks for having me on. Dude,
0: yeah, this is crazy. I can't. Even, we we got on the phone with you, and it was immediately like, wait, I know that voice. That's the voice <laughs> of the Pro Tour. I've heard deck texts. I've heard interviews. This is insane. I can't believe it. So welcome to the show, man.
3: Thanks, thanks. Very, very excited to be here. Very excited to talk about the the new cards. Get some reps in saying card names before the Pro Tour starts.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, are you yeah. more
0: excited about being here or about the Pro Tour?
3: <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm always, I'm always super excited about the Pro Tour. I mean, something people don't realize this uh, February, uh, you know, this Pro Tour is. Basically, the twentieth anniversary of the Pro Tour.
1: Oh yeah, I did. Someone did mention that.
0: Right, right, right. That's and that's Um, because yeah, it took a few years. Right, it wasn't until it wasn't really until like fifth edition Ice Age that the Pro Tour was like a thing.
3: Yeah, February nineteen ninety six was Pro Tour one in New York.
0: Yeah, so it was like Necropotence, the first Pro Tour deck. I was eight. I literally,
1: I literally turned eight probably the day of the pro tour, if it was February third right. in that year, but it probably wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I, I,
3: and I and I already hated you. <laughs>
1: yeah. I hated myself
0: at a rough eight-year-old, eight-year-old age. Now, did you play on the first pro tour, or were you already I, co- doing coverage?
3: Uh, you know what? I had a store in New York called Neutral Ground. Oh yeah, yeah and, I heard this. Uh, And so I was uh, my, me and my staff. We were we were actually working at the event. Okay, gotcha. Hosting stuff at the store and you know, just being sort of a, a hub for magic in the in the New York area.
0: Gotcha. Now you used to uh remind me this is you. I used to read a lot of mothership articles and I believe was it your story about that you would like go to a pro tour and then you would eat cake. Is that your
3: uh Well, <laughs> oh, uh, so we, we started the tradition at, at Neutral Ground uh, of whenever someone qualified for the Pro Tour from our group. Right that they had to buy cake for everybody.
0: For they if they won, they had to buy the cake. If they
3: right, if, so if you right, if you qualify for the pro tour, um you don't get to the, you no one qualifies for the pro tour by themselves. Right. Right? Like it's it's the hard work of a usually a, you know, pretty uh dedicated group of people who are all working together, sharing information, sharing cards, sharing deck lists you know, sharing draft strategies, whatever it is, right? Like there's, and there's, and they're cheering you on, right? Like at the end, as you get to, to the win that qualifier, there's a bunch of people there who, who are sort of sharing in that experience with you and you reward them for their support and their friendship by buying them cake.
0: That's delicious. I, I mean, who doesn't like cake?
3: Yeah. So we, we started that tradition. Steve Satan was the first cake buyer
0: Oh, Satan. I love uh, that.
3: in, uh, a, you know, winning a, a PTQ at uh, neutral ground. And, and the uh, tradition is actually migrated west to Portland, where Gabe Carlton Barnes, okay. who is a uh an you know, a an occasional who was an occasional neutral grounder over the years, right, uh, who has this, you know, whole Portland magic draft community that's developed around him out there, uh, they they've carried that tradition forward. In fact, they made cake playmats.
1: <laughs> oh nice oh my gosh. with the
3: name of everybody from their group who qualified on the playmats. Who has qualified for a pro tour through their little group? It's, so it's a nice tradition. I think everyone should do it. Yeah, we should. I, I think it should just be. I think it should just be a rite of magic passage, like that. When you qualify for the pro tour, you you win an RTQ. You 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 know top eight a, a GP. Like you should go home and you should buy everybody in your playgroup cake.
1: Yeah. It's very yeah. simple. Yeah, masters of modern listeners, get on that. Start I buying think, cake to people.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just as intrigued by your idea of buying cake as I am about just like this idea of like really. N- making personalized playmats that don't actually have to just be like the name of a podcast like what if we just like a bunch of us playing at a what if it's like a, like a grand prix group of us like 8 or 10 of us that we're going to we're just like we're going to make playmats we're going to design them specifically for this group that one of us is going to win this grand prix and you make them and if no one wins the grand prix who cares but if one of you does and you made that playmat how cool is that you all sign each other's mats right
3: yeah yeah, yeah. 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 i mean but i mean even even if you don't right it's like that again it's that experience yeah. that communal experience of going to the event you know, who who were all the, you know, people that you met, the artists that you saw there, the, you know, the tournament organizer, the head judge, the, you know, there's there's still that communal experience that you could think, man, I think that's a great idea, actually, you know, regardless of whether or not someone qualifies, just to sort of commemorate that experience. Like, we're all going to Grand Prix Vancouver. Let's all make a play mat and go.
0: Yeah, it's so cool. I mean, like, that, what you say about the experience, the community, I mean, that's definitely one of the most special parts of Magic. Kessler and I went to GP Vegas, this last summer, like most people did, and we—I uh, got my first pro point there, and that's that's legitimately the most fun I've ever had at a Magic tournament. Was just that weekend, and just there are so many Magic people and so many tournaments and so many offsite things. It was just, it was just awesome. So uh, I, I completely agree. I think very, very unmatched special experience. So let me ask you a question. You, uh, you watched that first pro tour from from your store, and you, you obviously are watching. No, yeah, I
3: was I was actually there. I was at the event.
0: Okay, you were vending.
3: Yeah, I was I was at the event. I was working. I was as a, you know, as a judge or doing something. I don't even remember now. Well, Pro Tours,
1: was... Pro Tours were also open events back then. Yeah, like streaming didn't exist in
0: 1996.
1: You
3: just there go. was an <laughs> au- there was an audio stream of the Pro Tour in 1996.
0: Oh, oh wow, I didn't know that was even capable in '96. Yeah, that's impressive. It was high tech. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you. So in, in observing it then, and, and then obviously becoming like pretty much the premier voice in Magic coverage over the last twenty years, um, what when you like look at the the way people are qualifying now and RPTQs and all this and everything that's happened in between, right? Like, would you compare Pro Tour qualification in '96 to now as like apples and oranges or like <laughs> apples and the moon? Like, is it just not even the same?
3: How do you, how do you what do you think the process was for qualifying for the first Pro Tour?
0: invitations maybe? <laughs> you think it was inv- I think I read that. Wasn't it? You had to get invited?
3: You had to call. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> there was a call-in number. There was there was there was a small handful of people who were pre-invited. Right. But for the most part, you just had to call. And for the juniors, I mean for the seniors division, that filled up in like hours, right? Like they had a limited number of seats and it was gone. But if you were under the age of like Eighteen, I think it was whatever the juniors' cutoff age was. People were able to call in for months to get a spot for that.
0: Well, because juniors—that I mean—it's obviously still a still an initiative by Wizards, but I mean that used to be a, a much, much, much bigger thing because a lot of the guys that are pros now started as juniors, right? They were right. kids, like at the beginning. Yeah,
3: there's, they, there's no there's no division for that anymore, but yeah, they they I think when they first started the pro tour, they were a little worried about the idea that like maybe the kids couldn't you know, run with the with the, you know, with the big boys there. <laughs> which we've and, uh, which we've
0: since learned is nonsense.
3: <laughs> well, you know, the kids who were in the juniors division were Brian Kebler, Bob Maher, John Finkel, Steve O'Mahony Schwartz, uh, right. you know, Patrick never, Chapin. I've never heard so, of any
1: of those people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. <laughs>
3: That's crazy. Yeah, you're man. more hard you're more you're gonna more likely find names that you recognize from the juniors Pro Tour one than you are from Pro Tour One.
0: That's so cool. So, okay, so then you look at all that now, and, and now, you know, you're the guy who's doing the deck techs, and you're the guy at the Pro What year. Uh, what's your sort of, how have, you, how, have you, how have you felt about witnessing this Magic coverage initiative that's happened over the last three or four years, and as, as like, streaming has really exploded? Uh, you know, you look at eSports and how huge, I mean, ESPN just launched their eSports division. Like, sort of what's your feeling on all that, the future of Magic and all that? How do you, how do you feel about it?
3: Uh, I mean, it's, it's super exciting, right? Like, I, I mean, I think that uh, the the coverage has just grown leaps and bounds at, at the pro tour level. I mean, it's, I mean, it's like, you know, a TV show, right? It's like, it's like a, you know, it, it's like watching to me, I mean, like watching, you know, network television of a, of a sporting event. Yeah. I mean, insane. it's, 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 it's pretty insane. Um, You know, there's, there's probably a disconnect, right, where the GPs just have not had the same level of resources um, that we get at the Pro Tour. I would love to get every event up to that sort of like, you know, multiple cameras and, you know, we've got a crew and we've got a sound guy and we've got a, you know, we've got a producer back there making graphics and um, you know, three studios, like, you know, yeah. but, uh, but it's, but it's, it's actually just been, it's been insane. It's been really crazy to be a part of. And when we get, when we hear about how many people are watching it, it's, you know, pretty staggering sort of the number of unique people that will go through the coverage over the course of a weekend. It's, it's pretty, you know, amazing to be a part of.
2: Now,
0: did I hear correctly? And maybe, maybe, I don't know if you have the statistic in front of you, but GP Vegas, there was something like a million people streaming it over the course of the weekend. Is that true?
3: I, I mean, I believe you. I You know what? I, I was at a wedding for GP Vegas. Okay. I, I missed that weekend. So I've, like, just blanked out. I just – it was an open bar. It was an open yeah. bar at the wedding. And I, mean, I was just slamming top-shelf bourbon the whole time, and I don't remember anything, and I don't know. I couldn't tell you.
0: <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So um, I think I think we if we continue telling magic stories, we will cut into our exciting next segment.
1: And it's already, like – Normally this is our longest segment and it's gonna be extra long because we now have three lists. So I guess with Jimmy he had the commander list to compete. So right. for those who don't know and didn't read the title and this is just like on their RSS feed and they don't even know what we're about to talk to you about. It, today we're giving out <laughs> our top ten Oath of the Gate watch cards for modern lists.
0: Yeah, and it's it's exciting because we have Alex and my opinion. But then we also have the opinion of someone who's going to be there interviewing the pros and actually talking about these cards. And if one of these cards we mentioned makes a huge impact on the pro tour, he's going to be directly asking the pro, why would you put this in your deck? This happened to be on my yeah. list. Yeah, so yeah. this is really uh, this is a big one. And I promise you Grand Architect won't be on the list, guys. It's, you can think about it. It's not going to make it.
1: <laughs> uh, though, For those who don't know uh, and want to talk and think our lists were bad or wrong or how do we not include their favorite pet card, we to talk to us. We have a Twitter. It is at the MMcast. It is the best way to reach us. Uh, we also have a Facebook and other things that you can find using the Masters of Modern name. But uh, Twitter is probably where you'll get the quickest response. Um, and so, yeah, let's get into the lists. Uh, so, starting with number 10. BDM,
0: you want to kick us off?
3: Yeah, I, I've got, I mean, a couple, a couple of my cards are, are, are sort of like uh, home run derby swings. You know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for something really exciting here. Okay. And one of, the, one of those cards is Seagate Wreckage
0: okay yeah yeah just just missed my list in the end That's- yeah this
3: this is this is my number 10 card uh i I think I can see a home for it kind of immediately in affinity no not even it well affinity is certainly one of those places but I, I think it's a little a little tighter there I, I I could actually see it in the um you know in the like the Zach alsc uh crazy lantern deck. contraption deck yeah like the crazy lantern deck where right. you always know what that card's gonna be that you draw you're like well I could just draw and play this right now. Okay, my, you know, you want to be empty-handed anyway, right? But you also want more velocity to dig through your deck. I could see like, you know, maybe one copy of Seagate wreckage, maybe more, even. I don't know, it's but uh, yeah. I could, so I could see it having a place in 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 modern. Uh, right. you know, that's kind of my my optimism.
1: And so, for those who don't know, Seagate wreckage is a land. Uh, it taps for a colorless mana, and you can tap two and a colorless mana to draw a card, and you can only activate this ability if you have no cards in hand. It's kind of a reverse library of Alexandria. Um, yeah, I definitely think the, uh, the Lantern decks, I think also Eight Post is another deck that I think might look at this, because they're another deck that tries and gets hell bent as soon as possible. Right. Um, sure. Yeah, no, I yeah, it's definitely in my honorable mentions. I love that card.
0: I could, I mean, I think usually if Affinity isn't winning by like turn five or six, they just lose anyway. But I could see this, <laughs> I could see this in Affinity like as a one of, or even possibly a two of, just just to get a, little, especially in the versions that play red to dig for a burn spell to finish it off.
1: Well, I think I think in my uh, online I had an argument that I thought. If this one to see play, would see play in Affinity Sideboards as a one-of in case there's, like, in the black-green matchups, because right. those are always so grindy and they can kind of kill your creatures. This might let you draw an out.
0: All right, so, Alex, then. Oh, you want me to tens? go next? Yeah, you're next. So my, <laughs> so my number 10 is a little card I like to call Slip Through Space, and it's one blue, it's a sorcery, it's devoid, target creature is unblockable this turn, draw a card. And the only reason that I put this card on my list, because there have been other cards, say, like Artful Dodge or the Rebound one that gives plus one plus zero and Unblockable, that have done something similar. When I'm thinking about <laughs> the fact that you can actually play decks like a blue-red Delver kind of a deck with, like, a, like a young Pyromancer again and not just worry about dying on turn four, uh, I don't think that this card's actually bad. Like... Think about this card. Playing this card no. alongside. I think this card's good. Pyromancer playing it alongside uh, the Prowess one two with haste for one. Uh, Monastery Swift Spear
1: <laughs> plus Storm like Storm Chaser Mage. Like there's a bunch of good cards with. I mean like
0: this. No
3: no no controversy here. I mean like yeah. what about just giving my Infect creature unblockable and then putting another card in my yard for become
0: and drawing a card yeah, right, right, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's just it's one of those cards when you read it you're like oh this card's just like a whatever common how have they not printed this before like how does this not exist just not devoid and then you realize it doesn't and you're like oh this might just be really good so that's my th- that's what I think what do you got Kels?
1: Uh so mine's definitely a lot sillier than that I think I think you put that too <laughs> low yeah Kazul's Troll Collector. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Combo uh, enabler.
1: <laughs> uh, so Kazul's Troll Collector is a two and a red for an Ogre Warrior. He is a three-two. Uh, he has the ability of zero attached target equipment you control to Kazul's Troll Collector. Uh, you can only activate this ability anytime you could cast a sorcery. Now, I think this is definitely a stretch, which is why it's my number ten. But something to point out is uh, this goes not necessarily infinite, but pseudo-infinite storm with... Um, what's the hammer? I'm forgetting the hammer. Sunforge.
0: Oh, Sunforger? Sunforger. Yeah, yeah. It goes. So the the deal with this is you attach Sunforger to it. You have to have some combination of white and red in a a denomination of three mana. You have to be playing four copies of Desperate Ritual, four copies of Metamorphose, four copies of Naya Charm, and a copy of Grape (laughs) Shot. And basically, you 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 can do 21 damage in a turn if you untap with this thing attached to Sunforger and then you unattach it, and then you go nuts. Like It if,
1: doesn't have to be attached. You attach it for free. You just have to have Sunforger and this in play and untap. With, like, I
0: think White, White, Red, or Red, Red, White. Yeah, Some yeah, combination of right the up. two. But, like, there's, yeah, Ch- Chaz, uh Andres posted about it this week, and we retweeted him. It's like, pretty hilarious i mean if you consider that all those cards have to be in your deck same with the troll collectors and the sun forgers your deck pretty much (laughs) is just like that's the whole that's like Like, the whole deck
3: (laughs) let's see if i can figure out a different deck with the desperate rituals and the and the metamorphosis and the grape shot it's the only way to
0: make it work (laughs) oh don't don't, i like there's no chance that like both we and also patrick chapin won't try to make this work somehow (laughs) he'll try it he'll definitely proxy it up maybe he won't use it but he'll try it
1: I'll give t- I'll give ten dollars to the to any any person who top eights the Pro Tour with this in the deck. <laughs>
0: yeah,
3: <it's> amazing. <laughs> uh,
1: take, is, this,
3: is this is this the budget seance? Yeah, seance this show? is budget
1: seance, and I'm also putting writers on it. It's not like if you play it at the Pro Tour. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Number nine. Yeah, what you got?
0: BM.
3: Oh, you want to start with me? I'm sorry, Reckless Bushwhacker.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Interesting. I'm it.
3: just I'm just uh, you know I'm I'm thinking about like just you know really like we we've seen we've seen this card in other in other forms form just wondering if there's just maybe enough critical mass of goblins or you know boros uh, token makers that you can suddenly you know really just you know create some swarmish deck that uh, will will kill your opponent
1: right in a goblin deck i mean that, that curve is so low and is missing some pieces. Maybe this is the piece we don't know yet, but I definitely can see it being a thing. Yeah,
3: and that you know that ability on, on turn on turn four to be able to go you know dragon fodder and reckless bushwhacker you know with the surge cost and you know suddenly you're 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 getting in for attacking for like fifteen or something and you've you know you've done some damage over the first couple of turns right. as well.
1: Well, plus it, it does synergize because it, it, it's kind of the second eight of Goblin Bushwalker. So, like maybe having right. eight of that effect makes it so you can really lean on that as being your game plan, and you can kind of get somewhere with it.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's It was like I was like, is there a critical mass of you know these little uh, you know of the of these sort of temporary anthem red creatures?
1: Okay, and, and for those who don't know, this is the card. Uh, this is the Goblin that uh, you can surge. I don't know what its actual converted mana cost is, but you can surge for it's, one. Its red. actual
3: converted mana cost is is, is R two.
1: Okay. Uh, and so, so and then
3: its surge cost and its surge cost is R one.
1: And then what it does is uh, when it enters the battlefield, all creatures you control get plus one, plus zero, in haste.
0: It should be noted that basically like any – so we're all going to make our predictions here and it's going to be interesting. But like Modern is a format that preys upon people not realizing how powerful playing lots of spells for really cheap that get you incremental advantage are. And Surge is an ability (laughs) built upon getting advantage off of playing incremental spells that get you a little bit of advantage. So we might go – this might be a situation where like we always talk about it that one pro tour where all the guys came out playing Niv Magus Elemental. And we were all like, "What the hell's going on? Like, how did we not all catch this?" <laughs> and it's like somebody might just have some weird surge deck that's just like, you know, I mean, I, I'm excited. Like, that's definitely one of the things that I'm I'm pumped up about. All right, so what's your number nine? All right, so this I went with Dimensional Infiltrator, and this is a this is a stretch. What's, I don't think what? It, I don't even know what that card is. Yeah, yeah so it's one blue, one colorless, devoid, flash, flying, two one, uh, blue Eldrazi drone creature, and it's not blue. It's just blue casting cost. Okay, um, and it has that weird ability for uh, a colorless. And one, you can exile a top card of to your opponent's library. If it's, if it's a land card, you you may bounce this guy to your hand. So the only reason this guy's really? on the list, what that guy? <laughs> I'll tell you why though. Okay. Okay. So everybody that's ever played blue knows the power of playing land, playing second land, sitting back on two mana counter spell past the turn, right? And decks that have done that have played Snapcaster Mage. And sometimes those decks flash in Snapcaster as a beatdown card. They don't want to, but they do sometimes. The point of this card is they've never printed this rate before. 2-1 Flying Flash for in blue. Like, this on curve with a Mana Leak or a Remand has never been printed. So I'm not saying it's going to break the format, but when you consider, like, same thing with, like, a blue-red Delver deck, this is a card that should have existed and hasn't, and I'm just saying it gives something like this a bit more flexibility. Obviously, you don't want to run it into, like, a, you know, Lingering Souls or something like that, but if Welkin Turn had Flash, people might have considered it for Standard or for Modern Play at some point. You just don't know. It's, it's innocuously powerful, and I'm curious to see. What do you guys and, think?
3: and the the last line of text is you think is just like a red herring or a colorless herring?
0: I don't. I mean, I don't even pay attention to that. Like, well, I mean, it does it does allow it to be vaguely
1: like sometimes it'll draw dodge the removal spell.
0: Yeah, like it can right. if you need it to. Like, so if it's you know later in the game, if you guys are top decking or something and they go to remove it, you're gonna kill them. Like, that's fine. But for me, mostly, it's just it's pretty freaking aggressive. Like, it's it's pretty aggressive, and I'm just saying like. What blue player doesn't want two power flying on turn two to come down in a turn? Like That sounds really good to me. So, okay. just my opinion.
1: Uh, so, my number nine is, uh, this is a little bit more legit than my number ten, uh, Warping Whale. Okay. This is the uh, the, the Eldrazi charm, for all intents and purposes. One colorless, uh, one generic. Instant, uh, you choose one, you can XL target creature with power, toughness one or less, counter target sorcery spell, or put a... One one color cell Drazi Cyan creature into play, and it you know could be sacrificed for a mana. Um, I mean, like in general, the fact that it just like there are so many X ones or one Xs that in the format that this hits so many different creatures, uh, and not to mention that like walking in this format like countering scapeshift Shift is, is something I want to be able to do right now. You, you've and...
3: just you've just stolen my whole number six here.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that'll happen. It happens all around. You'll probably
0: steal some of my early
1: ones. Hey, it uh, probably
3: happens more frequently as we go up the yes, list. Yes, it definitely yeah. does.
0: Um, the so, reason the reason this card didn't make my list, just for the record, is so the the most important ability is the exile ability, and that's because Vryn's Prodigy has zero zero power. Like Vryn's Prodigy, Vendillion Click, Bob. Bob, yeah. There's like a, there's like a few that are like very playful. Deceiver
1: so. XR. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so
3: those. I was just gonna say it, it, it's, it's go, it went down a little bit after.
1: Yeah, Deceiver. Well, that's why that's why it's my number nine now. If 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 Splinter Twin wasn't banned, this would be probably in my top five. But now that that's no longer in the format, it definitely loses some of its its uh, importance in the format.
0: Counter a sorcery is fine. Like even even mid game, just countering someone's Serum Visions is not the worst thing if this thing's stranded in your hand. But the the real issue is that like. When it is stranded in your hand from the beginning of the game and you don't hit one of those targets and you basically just have a 1-1 token for 2 in your hand to like turn 6, Modern's such a powerful format that even though this card's versatile, it's just a really bad ability.
1: No, but if, if on turn 2 they don't do anything and you have this in your hand and you have a force drop spell, you can flash this at the end of the turn and ramp for that turn to play like Olivia. I mean, I'm not saying Jund is the one playing this, but Olivia you could put into sure. play or... Uh, Master of Waves out of Merfolk. And Merfolk definitely could see playing this card. Like, There's definitely, like, ramping from two to four, even for just one turn, is still a pretty big play in this format.
0: Yeah, you could could be right. It it was like number 13 for me. It just didn't quite crack the top 10. But Dimensional Infiltrator did. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's mix it up. Ben,
0: why don't we hear your number eight? Uh, Okay, my number eight is Hissing Quagmire. This is the black-green man-land that becomes a 2-3... With Death Touch, uh, for a green, a black, and a colorless, uh, it's 2-2 it's Death Touch, right? 2-2? Yeah. 2-2, I said 2-3. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty self-explanatory here. I mean, this is a Jund card going into a deck that plays manlands. The only question is, what Man Lands does this card replace? Um, you know, it's like... Treetop Village is really, really good, but it only gives you green mana. So maybe one Treetop becomes this. I don't really know. Like, the, what does the deck normally play? Like six man lands? Well, something being
1: like able that? to play like blue, black, green are the two colors that are important. To that deck. It's always splashing the red or splashing right. the white. So that's definitely important. Uh, BDM, any thoughts?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think I think those lands are just all going to find there, just going to sort of, to me, unexcitedly find their way into into their decks i think i think all all the all the lands that are in all the creature lands in the set will find a home
0: just because like at the end of the day even just having one it's a dual land that can be a creature like worst case scenario and the only thing yeah yeah i I mean yeah yeah
3: absolutely i mean i think i think like the you know the the I, I, i don't remember all the names of them still yet i'm still i still got a few days before i get to Vancouver. Um, you know, needle spires is is like just uh you know a card that if there's a Naya deck out there or you know it, you know you're you're able to just like kill people out of nowhere with that card. Um uh, an and, and and one Wand- <laughs> and, Wand- and wandering one Wand- yeah, wandering fumarol is just gonna like I think you know goes right into the you know the the derelict building that used to be splinter twin, right? Like that 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 deck doesn't actually go away, right? Right, like, right, it's, right. It's still it's still this like blue, white, red value control deck, right? I mean, that like, just, yeah, that just needs to find a way to finish you off. And now it's like, okay, well, we're down to this point where I have this overwhelming hand advantage. You, you're just kind of gasping for cards off the top of your deck every turn, and I'm just gonna bash in for four with my wandering fumarol every turn.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, we were arguing like this on the on the cast before, but like. I could see it as a possibility. It's just the activation is so expensive is is the only thing. And I get that like the – I get it, but it doesn't. It's
1: four. But like the point is like people are playing Celestial Colonnade. Exactly. Five mana. And like not every deck has white. This is the blue-red version of that. It bashes in for the same amount of damage. Eventually your opponent doesn't have cards in hand. So it definitely does a lot of work there. I think also like the Grixis control decks where some of them are playing Liliana. Eventually you get it so they literally don't have cards in hand. And you can just free roll start hitting them for four. Which yeah is, um and this is lightning bolt resistant in the early game it's good at blocking versus something like um Creeping tar pit. Yeah, this this. Or
3: yeah, or treetop yeah. village, even, right? It doesn't yeah. get it doesn't get lightning bolted.
2: Right, well, it you
3: can you, you, you can you can choose not to let it get lightning bolted anyway.
0: Right, you know. Yeah, it, it's 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 interesting. I mean, they're like I'm not saying it's horrible. It just it didn't occur to me as a as a home run, but uh, you know. So it's...
1: these are my number sixes. I'm gonna save my one little point with hissing quagmire for when we get to number six. But yeah, let's. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had,
3: yeah, I just I just had all three lands in like the honorable mention section because I just think they're just gonna find. Their way in, but I don't think that they're you know uh,
1: something to write home s- about.
3: I, I don't. I, I, I it's I, I'm more excited about them than I sound, but I'm just saying you know what I mean. I just I feel like they're not the the sexy part of modern that we want to talk about.
1: Right. <laughs> sure, fair enough. Uh, all right, so what's your number
0: number eight?
3: All right, this one's again, and after this, I swear they get a little more a little more conventional. Inverter of truth.
0: You went with inverter,
3: but how? I went with Inverter of Truth.
1: All right, what? What? Uh, please, please break it down for
3: everybody. <laughs> I will tell you what Inverter of Truth does. Inverter of Truth is two BB for a creature Eldrazi. It's a mythic rare. It's a six-six flyer, and it's devoid.
0: And it has one so, other important line of text.
2: <laughs> it, it does
3: have another important line of text. Uh, it's four when lines. Inverter of Truth, when, when Inverter of Truth enters battlefield, exile all cards from your library face down. Then shuffle all cards from your graveyard into your library.
1: So, I have, I have, uh, t- talk about why you think this is good. But I do have a funny story with this card. Once you're done,
3: I, I think it's, I think it's just an exciting card. You think about like the Grizzly Salvages and the Mulches and the uh, even the Corpse Churn, which is a new card in this set, like that are available to you to um, you know sort of start digging through your library, right? Get that kind of velocity going on right. your cards. And then, you know, even like, let's just imagine a corpse churn, right? At the end of you know, it's like, you know, you've, 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 you know, thought scoured yourself and you've done something else, you know, grizzly salvaged on turn two, and then you pass the turn and the end of turn three, you corpse churn, you put three cards into your graveyard and there's an inverter of truth. You pick it up with the corpse churn, you untap, and you just slam down this six, six flyer. And now you have this little curated graveyard. Uh, maybe there's another inverter of truth in there. Like you can just, you can just keep it going. And it's just this, uh, it's just this kind of cool, high-pressure card. And, uh, you know, assuming you have, like, Thought Seizes and uh, Inquisition of Kozilek's in there, you know, you, you have some sort of ability to attack your opponent's hand and to sort of know that those cards are going to come back with a pretty high rate once you've played the Inverter so you can sort of keep your opponent at bay. I don't know. just Good. It's just an interesting card to me. It's an exciting card to me, and it's the kind of deck i like playing
0: is it the kind of card that you think could go into like the grixis deck as a one of like so so maybe a little mid game because they just loot and oh, play. i
3: i think that there's i think that there's probably a home for it as a a weird like almost like creature based gay is blessing right like where you're right. saying like i'm just gonna dig through i'm gonna have all these good cards all this exciting stuff's gonna happen and then i'm just gonna all those cards are going to you know just become my deck i'm just going to draw good stuff i'm going to draw counter spells and i'm going to draw you know cruel ultimatum i'm going to draw whatever from this point on and then i'm just going to finish you off with this i think there's a lot of different ways you can go with the card
0: well because it pairs really really well with with a looters with jace is amazing and it also pairs really well with cards that delve so when you delve away all of the things that you don't want to redraw and then you reshuffle all the things you do want to redraw into your deck and then all of a sudden your deck is just like nine gas spells seems pretty sweet i don't know my only question is abyssal persecutor has never been like a modern card that was good. I mean it's it's once or <laughs> twice. Now, that's also because it's a four mana sorcery speed card and splinter twin used to exist. So you wonder will would abyssal persecutor have possibly been on someone's well, radar we'll now anyway now. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, this might be kind of the same thing.
1: Uh, so my only good story with this card is that uh, I traveled to Hong Kong for work, and it was before the actual spoilers were in the app we used, so I just knew what the card was called, and like I like had read it once. I was like, oh, it does something cool, but I read it as uh, Inverted Truth enters the battlefield, exile cards card from your library, then shuffle your cards from your graveyard into your library, and then put all of those cards exiled from your library into your graveyard, and so I spent a good 15 <laughs> hours- 15-hour plane ride brewing a really sweet deck that got all Benjvines into the graveyard and combo-killed someone on turn four, and then I landed... And then I looked, and I was like, "Oh, that was
0: a waste of time."
2: Yeah. Well, my yeah. my good yeah, story I would, was I would play the hell out of that card.
3: My, yeah. our, our buddy that Tone card, that card would be at least a five on my list.
0: <laughs> our, our buddy Tone during uh, during pre-release weekend was just like like had a, had a couple too many drinks and was betting us just blind amounts of money. Like, I'm gonna win this tournament. I'm gonna beat you guys. We're doing a little pre at home. He was like, "I'm gonna win. I'm gonna win." And then he played that card and just exiled us entirely. Didn't realize that it <laughs> didn't even realize what it did. <laughs> just proceeded to just lose the game. He had no cards in his in his graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty, pretty fantastic.
1: Um, all right. So, my number eight is, uh, once again, a pretty decent card, I think. Kozilek's Return. Yeah. Oh, uh, only number eight, really? Yeah. This is a uh, Tuna Red. This is the instant, does two damage to each creature, uh, devoid spell that whenever you cast an Eldrazi creature spell with Converted Man, cost seven or greater, you may exile it and do five damage to each creature. Um so when would you
3: ever cast a 7-drop Eldrazi spell in modern? Come on.
1: Ulamog. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the same deck that you can then tutor for your Kozilek with uh, Ancient Stirrings. <laughs> I just can't yeah. believe that this card
0: is so low for you.
1: Um, I'm a little less high than other people on this card. I, I do think 3-mana, even at instant speed, is very different than 2-mana, especially for Tron decks. Right. Like Pyroclasm on turn 2 is useful because they're not really doing anything on turn 2. Turn 3 is when they're dropping... You know,
0: Oblivion Stone, Oblivion Stone,
1: Karn, or
0: uh, things that matter. Uh, yeah, things that matter. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get you. I just like for for me, like when you consider uh, all the cards we're gonna talk about on this list, almost every single card on here is from a place of speculation. Whereas, like this card is almost a hundred percent gonna be possibly a four of, and probably the best deck or most played deck at the Pro Tour, or well, at least I also at least the front think,
1: runner. I also don't think Tron's gonna be the best deck in the Pro Tour. That's it's, a different a different preview because like. I mean and and uh Cedric Phillips did a really good article last Friday on this, but Tron is terrible in formats where Affinity, Infect right. uh are gonna show up in, and burn are gonna show up in force, and the Pro Tour is the one tournament where Affinity, Infect, and Burn show up in force.
0: Yeah, well we'll see. We'll see. So that was whose who's number eight was that? Was it yours? That was mine. Okay, so now we're on to number seven. Yeah, we're we're gonna get to that card, I think,
1: a few more times. So yeah, let's let's move on. Uh, uh Brian, you wanna do your number seven?
3: Didn't didn't I did you both do your number eights?
1: Yes, mine was Cozlect okay. Return, and Ben did. So my my, my, my number
3: my number seven's overwhelming denial.
0: Oh, you went with it. So it just it just barely skipped mine. And so okay, so explain.
3: Explain what well, you funny. I I have I have Kozilek Return out just on my outside list. Oh, the same, in the same probably in the same place. Uh, just because I feel like it's I feel like yes, there's there's a place for it, but I was I'm curious if there's necessarily going to be a job for it
1: right if right he, right if right you know what i'm
3: saying like i think but but uh overwhelming denial is just like we've seen uh, you know like counterflux and 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 those types of counter spells get into get into modern even right like we saw we saw that in sean mclaren's sideboard when he won the pro tour
0: right yeah yeah i mean the counter- counterflux has always been and it's and counterflux in scapeshift X especially has always been extremely well placed on curve because once you get to seven that's exactly what you want anyway and so
1: this, this is almost strictly better in scapeshift because of the fact <laughs> yeah that like the point is in scapeshift you're countering the spells after you cast scapeshift so right. you, you've got that surge job down to start countering spells yeah through, with yeah
3: this is this is an uncounterable counter at uh, at two mana if you're doing two things in one turn.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I was listening to Chapin uh, and Flores on uh, top level this week, and they were talking about it a little bit, and they were saying how it's interesting in that sense, but it's also interesting if you just think about, like, what if you just play this deck in, in a deck, or play this card in a deck with, like, some, you know, cheap or free instance? Like, what if you just play this in a deck with, like, mana morphos? Like, some kind of a tempo deck, and this deck's just, this card's in there with mana morphos and, like, gut shots and things like that. It's like really how bad is it to manamorphose into blue blue counterspell or like how bad is it really to just like gut shot and then just have blue blue counterspell if you can get that like i thought it was kind of an interesting point he made which is that this this is not just counterspell which is way too powerful for modern but it's an uncounterable counterspell
3: yeah you know? yeah i mean that's that i mean that's the big lord of me, right and you can still do things like uh in modern you know your opponent casts something You're like okay in response i'm gonna lightning bolt that and then I'm gonna uncounterably counter this on three mana.
0: So speaking of two spells in one turn, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to my card now, unless Cassie wanted to throw something on the, the fire there. Um Jory N. Ruin Diver is my number seven. Oh you put that guy on your list. Yeah, and it's it's probably this one's probably like I mean, he's, a, he's a pretty decent value engine. Yeah, this one's probably a little bit more like this is a card that I really want to be good. It just seems so awesome. So for those but, who
1: don't know, Jorianne Rune Diver is one blue-red. He's a legendary creature, Merfolk Wizard. Whenever you cast your second spell each turn, draw a card, and he's a 2-3.
0: So yeah, the reason this card's awesome, I mean, it's pretty obvious. You're playing in a format that plays Gataxian Probe, first of all, so like, on turn three, you just play this guy, pay two life, and then draw a card and draw a card. So like right off the bat, like there's Sold. there's cards in the format that are just. I mean, you could even if you're playing a deck with this guy, you could even play Noxious Revival in your main deck just to do it, just because like why not? Like you just get back a fetch land and then just draw the fetch land. Like it, it doesn't even matter. You're, you're still getting value as long as you can play free spells. Well,
3: plus I mean that it, that seems super sweet to me actually.
0: Yeah, that
1: right. That Seems super sweet. It, like the Abbott decks. Like the, the there are already decks that are playing um, like quad, uh, Gitaxian Probe quad. Um, Mishra's Bobble Mishra's Bobble just because they're playing Abbott of Carol Keep and they want to be able to just exile that top card and play it on turn two like I definitely can see that kind of scene playing those decks
0: the sweetest use of this card that I've heard is people talking about this gives this gives Merfolk a real reason to splash red which like is pretty we've heard like Merfolk splashes X for value like I went to that PFTQ over the summer and like jammed Collected Company into my Merfolk deck it like wasn't good <laughs> but I mean this just seems sweet because it's like You're going to probably play it in the turn you play it. It's more than likely going to be a 3-4. So, like, that means the turn you play it, they're either going to kill the Lord that's already in play, but they can't just kill this thing. And then, like, every turn after that, you just have the possibility of drawing these, like, dinky little two drops. Probably a creature and a Vapor Snag turns into a card. You can, I mean, you can splash Lightning Bolt... That, that seems awesome too, but my, maybe maybe just complicates the deck.
1: My my one large amount of hater aid for this card, and there's there's some. Uh A and Merfolk specifically, anything with Aether Vile seems really bad with this card. Yeah, true. Uh <laughs> <laughs> B Lightning Bolt, just in general. It doesn't pass lightning bolt tests. But the the one comment I do have about it that does make it interesting is before Splinter Two was banned, I wouldn't I wouldn't even consider this card. Exactly. But now that it's gone a sorcerer's speed two, three that for three, that like immediately draws you a card becomes a much more interesting beast of a card. Yeah, no, that's yeah.
0: certainly interesting. All right, who's who's next? Uh, I think I'm number seven. Uh, so my number seven,
1: the big daddy of this set, Mr. Kozilek, the Great Distortion.
0: Interesting. I, I did get another card, and it didn't make my list.
1: Uh, so he is eight diamond diamond uh, for a legendary creature, Eldrazi. When you cast Kozilek, the Great Distortion, if you have fewer than seven cards in your hand, you draw cards equal to that difference it has menace and then you can discard a card with converted mana cost x to counter target spell with converted mana cost x and it is a 12 12 so i think this will probably see at most as a two of in tron lists or other big mana lists but the reason i like him is that deck often can run out of cards and he helps fix that problem he also kind of just locks out opponents if you look at that list the actual converted mana cost like spread in tron is pretty wide
0: yeah, I mean that. That there's seems
1: like one, two. It's mostly one, two drops, and then there's six and seven drops. But I do think this is a card that we'll see play. He's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm a fan.
0: What, what do you think, Obedia?
3: Uh I, I mean, I, he's. I have him like kind of like eleventh, twelfth in, in my list. I mean, I think I think there's a lot of other, uh, you know, giant scary spaghetti monsters that people are going to want to play. Uh, I think you know he's fighting for for it's so like I kind of had him on the outside looking in. On my top ten, but sure. I think he I I think I'm gonna. I I fully expect to see this card in play, uh, early into the constructed rounds of the Pro Tour.
1: Right, like like one of two of. I I don't think it's any more of that. I think he's comparable to kind of what Emmerkle was seeing play in Tron lists, and maybe yeah. a lot one of each. But I yeah, I definitely think he does very interesting things. The fact that he draws card is the more important thing, and then the fact that he can lock your opponent out of the game at times. It's definitely an interesting card. Uh, yeah. All right, so round six. BDM, go ahead.
3: Well, uh, I have I have warping well here. Okay. Uh, so this card we've already talked about, and and it, it's really like you you know uh, I I expressed all the stuff that you know I feel like it does, and I, I think even even making that one one guy sometimes yeah, you know you talked about that idea of like you know ambushing a a caster mage late in the game is is probably going to be fine sometimes. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right.
0: Right. Right. Or even just exile Snapcaster. Or, or you could just
3: exile it. Sure, that's that's also true. But uh, either sometimes, way,
1: sometimes you cast a one one on turn two like, in like a counterspell war matchup where nothing's gonna get played, and then just that one damage starts chipping away at them.
3: I mean, it's but it's, it's certainly I not. The, I think this is a card that just has is is, is a nice little like uh, a nice little utility thing. A utility you know knife it's a scissor it's a it's a knife it's a screwdriver it you know turns into a magnet it's got a flashlight on it
0: it does <laughs> it, it should be noted it should be noted now i know we've all talked about this a little bit but generating colorless mana is not just like a given like it's being able to play this on turn two means that you probably aren't playing a mana base with just like two fetch lands for shocks like that's probably not what you're getting so your mana base changes and maybe becomes a bit more painful You know what I mean? Like, it
1: becomes more painful. I think you just start paying filter lands or you play um, pain lands, which does make it more painful. But I think there's definitely lands out there that encourage that you can tap for colorless that this would just encourage you to play with instead. Agreed.
0: But like, I don't know if you've ever had the thing happen to you where you play a deck with even three filter lands in it that plays multiple colors and you just happen to keep a draw two lander with two filter lands in it and you're like, but I'm
1: I'm definitely playing a blue right dead that, that has like two ghost quarter, one filter land. And uh, one of the like uh, the the, loo- the looter lands or like in junk, yeah, I like, have two or f- two to four put plus one plus one counter like Gavyny Township. You're still like.
0: talking about I, three or four sources for a card that what if it's in your hand and you don't draw one of the sources? It's just a dead card. That's really I, bad.
3: I, I think I think the card probably shines more in a deck like you know if there's a spot for it in the sideboard of Affinity,
2: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. which, nice. which, which has
3: that. which has which has so many colorless lands, or even in the infect decks, which have you know colorless all, lands, you know. Yeah you know, have have some uh, you know, lands that are, you the know, man lands creatures. And, yeah. Yeah. I, I I I you know, I think I th- I don't think it's something that you can slap into every deck, but I think I think that the decks there are gonna be decks that can support it. And uh or even you know, even you're talking about like Tron decks or you're talking about uh Eldrazi decks. Right. Right? Which are which I think are both gonna be, you know, pretty reasonable presences at this modern pro tour. And uh, they can cast this card very easily if there's something that they really feel like they need to deal with.
1: Like okay, out of a sideboard for Affinity, uh, you mentioned that like a lot of the worst cards for Affinity are sorceries.
0: Yeah, I mean countering some sort of a wrath effect like Shatterstorm or, or, Storm or Yeah, also countering I mean countering some sort of a wrath effect or also being able to like counter a hand disruption spell mid game in some some cases. Like there I mean there are applications. Like I said split I mean Serum Visions is one of the most played cards in the entire format and there are some games where somebody playing a Serum Visions mid game is going to be the thing that pushes them into position to beat you in top deck mode and having this card stranded in your hand from the beginning of the game is not the worst thing if that's the case like it still it gives you a leg up in that mid game so and you
3: know kudos to you if you were able to not just cash it in for a 1-1 yeah, while you're waiting for your opponent to draw serum visions there <laughs> I mean
2: uh, think, about,
0: think about this card against blue red decks like blue red decks the velocity going through the deck is so fast that yeah. definitely countering a serum visions in one of those decks oh, yeah, is no, no, a relevant no, would, thing to be yeah.
1: doing alright so I'm gonna do my number six which have also been called before this point so I'm hoping Ben has a surprise number six placement but maybe he doesn't uh, mine are the two the two man lands hissing quagmire and wandering fumarole I guess theoretically the red white one also is decent I um, didn't include that because I do think it's the worst of the three uh, the one point that we didn't really talk about I do want to bring out with his and Quagmire is that um, this is the best defensive one of all, almost all of these man lands I think in all like in the full 10 because it is really hard to attack into opponent with open mana with a Tarmogoyf if they just have this land in front of them towards the mid the late game just the threat that you're just gonna it's just gonna die for three mana is so large that I think it really gives a good defensive stance to decks that are playing green black that they didn't have before
0: yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, it's I think the manlands BDM. You put it best. Like they're gonna end up in all the decks just by virtue of that they're new, good manlands. Like they're not bad. You know what I mean? Like what? <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> like they're they're good enough. So I mean, some I guess some of the manlands that are borderline it's, haven't made it, but the ones that produce two colors, it's hard. It's really hard to argue against.
3: Well, I mean, like, it's, it's like it's like why you go to Denny's, right? They're open. <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'll agree to that. All, All right. right, so Ben, you're number six. My don't number let us down.
0: six is Matter Reshaper. Ooh, yeah. This card Now, I don't know. I don't really know like where I think this card necessarily fits into the format. But playing it in, I had two copies of it in one of my sealed pools at the pre-release, and I was just blown away by the power level. Like it, it's vi- it's a very deceptively powerful card. I mean, it doesn't. Three 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 for three is fine, and in this format, three toughness is like not something you really want to have coming down.
1: Well, but it's lightning proof in the sense that it kind of replaces itself. Totally replaces itself. Yeah, it yeah. either
0: gets you a land or a permanent in the right deck. You'll always get a land or a creature or draw a card. I mean, like, what if there was just a? I mean, if there was just a three three that said like, if this card dies, you, you know, look at the top card have the choice of putting a creature into play or drawing a card. Like. I mean, if that card had been printed, I think it's something we would have talked about at this point. That's what this is. So I'm a little surprised.
3: This card compares very favorably to both Coiling Oracle and Solemn Simulacrum.
0: Exactly. Agreed. Agreed. Hundred percent. I mean, and when you think about like value three drops that have existed, that people play cards like Kitchen Finks. um, I mean, this is sort of, it's sort of in the same boat, but it's like, it's just aggressive, and I mean, it's just great. I don't know. I I think this card's really good. It's. I don't know where it fits, though, is the only issue. But it's, it is really good, though.
3: It's going to go into most of my commander decks. I can tell you that.
0: I mean, it, go, it probably goes <laughs> into the Eldrazi like, decks people are building, right? I mean, you can't cast that off of colorless, but, like, they're already doing the Urborg package, and it already plays black in a lot of those decks. So I've heard mono, I've heard of mono-black. I've heard of black-white. So I don't mind the idea. Like, you can get this on turn two, and like, the Eye of Ugin Urborg deal. Like, you can also just, yeah. like... Eldrazi temple and a swamp gets this thing to play on turn two. And I've heard a three three on turn two that replaces itself for draws you a card is pretty darn good in modern.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, yeah, I think you're good. Job, good job not letting us down with picking a card that we had not heard before that's like decent as well. <laughs> yeah, but I think reshapers <laughs> pretty sweet. happy. All
0: right, so can I just do number five also right now because I'm so excited about it. Yeah, go for I it. want no one else to say it before me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Reality Smasher. Oh, am I, I the only one that went with reality smasher? Mine's way higher, or not way higher, but mine's higher. Okay, have, yeah, yeah, it's so sweet. Reality smasher, the more I've looked at the set and the more I've thought about it, it might just be pound for pound the sweetest card in the set by like a mile. Like, it, D- describe it to us. I, okay, so it costs one uh, colorless mana plus four generic. Uh, it is a five, five trample haste Eldrazi creature that if a spell. It's a spell, right? Not a spell or ability.
1: Whenever Reality Smasher becomes the target of a spell, an opponent controls, counter that spell unless its controller discards a card.
0: Okay, so, yeah, like, it's... (laughs) It rumbles pretty hard against, like, Tassigers and Siege Rhinos. Like, it's a 5-5, which is already just an insane rate. Trample and Haste as a 5-5 for 5 is, like, very, very powerful. And then the fact that it's gonna two-for-one them, and a lot of the times in Modern, if you're playing some sort of a grindy deck where this is, like, a two-of top-end finisher, and this card comes down... They won't even have two cards a lot of the time. A lot of the time, <laughs> they'll have one removal spell they're, waiting, they're sitting on. Like The other crazy thing to me about this is like, and I I mean, this is another thing I heard and say on the same podcast, I, and this is a standard thing, but what happens when you have this card in play, they untap, they draw their second card to kill this thing, they target it, and then you like flash in your Void Grafter, which like won't happen in Modern, but you make it hexproof in response to them discarding your like card. Or like
1: indestructible or whatever other way you can make it so it doesn't
0: Protection, die. Protection, like anything that just like, you just like just I mean that like your opponent just scoops it up and just walks out of the room. Well,
3: just, I mean, just think about how bad it feels to cast Path to Exile on your opponent's creature in the in the first place. Right, right, right. right. No, imagine imagine that it's like three cards. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, this it's is the path. They they discard a card and you you get a land.
1: Right. Well, this is and Path is the only Path is one of two really major played removal spells in the format. It's Abrupt Decay proof. It's lightning bolt proof. <laughs> it, it terminate can kill it, and path can kill it,
0: and but you and have dismember to have a
1: second can kill it if like, people are playing it, yeah. If you have three cards, basically, it's just nuts. I yep. mean,
0: I, I'm trying to think what a card like this. If a card like this became dominant, what if modern became a format that was ruled by who drew their reality smashers first? What if what if five drops ruled the format? Like, I guess counter spells would just become the thing people were doing. I would
1: just run thrag Tusks everywhere.
0: Yeah, this card Thragtusk is sweet. I'd just <laughs> be like, yes. "All right, we're in the I land can- of five drops. Thragtusk <laughs> can deal with do I, this." Do I
3: need to discard a card if I block it with my Thragtusk? No. Okay. Oh yeah. Sweet. Do I still get a token?
0: Awesome. Speaking of Thragtusk, so BDM, we last week on the show, Kessler and I did our top ten cards most likely to see modern since the ban of Splinter Twin, and then at the end of the shows, often we'll do this little, like little like Royal Rumble where we each choose one like off the beaten path card that wasn't on our list, and we like fight them. We get thirty seconds to pitch the audience. The audience votes on Twitter, and whoever loses buys a dinner for the opponent. I'm so far three and zero on dinners. Uh, it's because I choose cooler cards than you. They're just not as competitive. <laughs>
1: That's not what the winning says. But this last week was
0: like very competitive. It was two to two, and then the one he won on was Thragtusk somehow got like a fifty four percent vote versus Cough of the Hammer as cards that would more like be cooler to see, more interesting. Uh. Which I
1: was surprised because that was my throwaway last one, and it's also like it's like one hundred eighty votes. Figured, I figured Thragtusk. In general, would be have a little bit more of a stigma of hatred based off of standard, like because it was a standard menace. It's like the same reason people yeah. didn't like Bitter Blossom for years because it was like, oh, that sucked playing against that. But nope, Throck us it. People just don't know how sweet people love five is. drops. That's why Reality Smasher is sweet. Bring it so, back, so
0: so sweet. Reality Smasher is incredible. And I, I guess, I mean, this just goes right along with like that Aldrazi deck. That Aldrazi deck that was already fringe that people were already scared of. The the printing of this and one other card that I'm sure we'll all talk about is just. It's kind of like mind melting. It's sort of hard hard to believe that like the two cards that good are both getting introduced to the format.
2: I
3: I think the Eldrazi I think the deck is going to be really good. And in fact, I th- I think anything that is graveyard related is probably the worst possible choice you could play for this Pro Tour. For this Pro Tour, just because you're going to see so many, uh, you know, um, Bejeweled bogs and things like that where people just want to exile your graveyard so that they can oblivion. So are your lands and, you know, all, all sorts of, you know, I, ju- I just think it's going to be a, a bad graveyard pro tour. <laughs>
0: yeah. Agreed. <laughs> so what do you guys got for your number five?
3: I've got Nyssa voice of Zendikar. You went
0: with Nyssa no. for modern.
3: Interesting. I cut
0: it because I was trying to figure out what deck it went into.
3: That's you know what? I, I was also trying to figure out what deck it was going to, And then ultimately I just decided it is a three drop planeswalker. That does things
0: that so it protects itself, it
3: protects itself. You get to like do stuff like in elfie decks, you get to, you know, it's, it's just, just rolling be... zoo.
1: It's like the the three drop you play, you play like turn one, Nakadal, knack, turn two, put either a two drop or two one drops into play, and then this you pump all the first three creatures you played and they get in there. That's a pretty big
0: and then they have to decide if they kill Nissa or like start picking off your creatures, and if they wrath the board, you still have a Nissa, right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting for me that I thought about it there. I also thought about it as like an interesting card to try to stick a few copies into scape shift, just as like, ai am going to start plussing this thing up, and just like making tokens. And then like, if you don't do anything, and this game goes too long, I'll just like, make all my tokens bigger and attack and just start making more tokens. I don't know, it's like, it doesn't really do a whole lot in the deck, but like if you you could reconfigure that deck to make Nyssa work in it, it's not the it's not the worst thing.
1: And any deck that can make that can also make use of that zero one. If you oh. can somehow pump the zero one into a bigger creature, I can definitely see like if you have an equipment or you have, you know, any type of like other planeswalker that pumps it, or you you know, just whatever you have that can or if yeah. you're playing um Gaviny Township with if you're playing a green spell, right? It's pretty likely. I, yeah.
3: I mean, also keep in mind that uh, you know putting a plus one plus one counter on a Kitchen Finks that has a minus one minus one counter on it Real good. is a good thing. To it's a really good thing to do, as we've seen in Modern for the last four years. I've also <laughs>
0: seen you also have seen those scape shift lists where game two they'll take out the combo and they just play like value creatures like Primeval Titan and Thragtusk and stuff. And yeah, I can see some main deck version or some sideboard version because. They might take out all the spot removal if they don't know what they're doing, you know, because that's what Scape Shift does. And then you play this thing, you start plussing it up, they don't know how to deal with it. And then that ultimates and you draw like nine cards all of a sudden and you're just this like value rug deck. Like, I mean, it's yeah,
1: not I definitely uh, three mana planeswalkers that do something or something to always look at. I think people are having uh, acid flashbacks towards uh, the Ajani. Yeah. Right, um, right. And this is not that this is a much better card. Hey, you
3: know, you know what? You know what? That Ajani made second place at a pro tour.
0: So but a standard Protor.
3: standard Protor, but right, I'm just right. saying. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, you know, three, three mana Planeswalkers will find a way. That's right, sure. all I'm saying.
1: Uh, and actually, and moving into my number five, this is relevant, so I'll make this point as a segue. Uh, this is also probably pretty good in Junk decks alongside Oath of Nyssa. Allowing you to get this and Liliana out. For that's your number saving.
0: five? Yeah, that's my
1: number five.
0: You don't think that Green Pond? I'm not going to tell you where this is on my list, but we, we will get to it. But Green Ponder, like you don't think that like in a format that is just like... They had to ban two it's Ponders. Not, that's the
1: thing. It's not Ponder. And, and I think that's why I lower it, because people say that it maybe it's like a pet peeve-based thing. But Ponder is... One of the reasons Ponder is so good is because it pu- it keeps things on top. You can yeah, set up your p- next p- three turns.
3: Lowercase puts... lower Ponder, when people refer to a card as being a Ponder, they mean it's a one-mana deck manipulation spell.
1: True, you get to pick they the top They don't mean that cards. it
3: is literally Ponder.
1: This, this is, I mean, this is definitely a <laughs> one-mana... As someone who said,
3: mana... right, right. said Green Ponder, and <laughs> has taking a lot of sh- a crap for it. Uh,
1: and we can save this maybe the talk because I, I have a feeling it's not both much much <laughs> higher on both of your lists. Yeah, yeah I, will, yeah,
3: I have it a little a little higher.
1: A little higher. Uh, I will say that that is why it's a little lower. I, I do think it's really good. I do think it is a one green man. I anticipate, and I anticipate. I think was my top card for the set that that came out in. Anyways, so I don't have a lot of grand to stand, grand to stand on.
0: You're just forgetting um, let, with. Well, we'll talk about it a little more in a second. So let's let's move on to number four.
1: Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, but back to my segue. Oh yeah, Nissa. And Liliana, same deck hanging out. This lets you find them and get the cast both of them because of the mana fixing.
2: Right. <laughs>
1: that's nice, yes. Yeah, that's what that was. What that segue is about. All right. So I think we're on to
0: number four. Yes. Uh, Storm Chaser Mage. Oh, I have mine higher. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this that, card. That's
3: that's also my number four. Okay. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, perfect. All right, you guys talk. Like, <laughs> this card's pretty bonkers. I mean, it's like I won't say like who, but one of one of the pros that we know that we we were talking to a little bit had had told me that his team was was looking at this card a little bit, um, and uh, you know, it's it's like I mean, obviously among like other cards, but one of the cards that was that was like making sense in this new deck, and it's uh, it's pretty. It's pretty good.
1: <laughs> it's already been proven that prowess is a very good mechanic.
3: Yeah, I, and this this card already saw some play this past weekend in standard.
0: I mean, it's just good. I like think it, it,
1: I think it saw play in modern. I think there was a teamer del, uh, teamer delver list that did well, and I thought I saw this in it. I might be wrong.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, maybe, maybe that's what it is. I was I was relying largely on Twitter for my for my updates. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, th- I think the score's great. I think that you can, you know, you have great creatures at 1, 2, and 3 in some sort of red-blue red, wh- red blue, uh, prowess deck. I mean, we Dragonauts doesn't really have prowess, but, you know.
1: Right, right. Well, and, and plus, I mean, like, in reality, you can play one drop, play, like, play Serum Visions on turn 1, play this on turn 2, and then, like, just hold up mana and start just poking off creatures. It does a really good... Delver imitation just gets in there quick it's, uh, it's once again another good spell with the Gataxian probes and Mishra's Bobbles and yeah exactly like, these are
0: all in the kind of the same family that's
3: yeah, definitely could, an interesting just, place you could just put Abbott Carol keep in the same deck right yeah, like, yeah you're yeah. talking totally. about the Abbot decks that were doing all those things
0: I mean get I would say get your foil now like this I mean may, maybe maybe once some more packs have been opened it'll be you know it'll be a little easier but I mean this is one of those those long-term cards where it's pretty hard to imagine this card in eternal formats not being just like always an option for people to play. So the, yeah. you know, at an uncommon gold card, like in a small set, I think, you know, get your foils once they once they go down a little bit, but I think it's going to be an expensive card long-term. So, uh, yeah. Right.
1: My number four, a very different card, Goblin Dark Dwellers.
0: You went with Goblin Dark
1: Dwellers? Yep. Is that high? Uh, so this is a three red red Goblin Menace. When Goblin Dark Dwellers enters the battlefield, you may cast target insert a sorcery card with the converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard without paying the mana cost. If that card would be put in your graveyard this turn, Excel instead, 4-4. Four, four. So it's pseudo red... Snapcaster Mage. Right. For a three drop. Uh, one of the main things I do drop. have it here for a five drop. One of the main things I do have it here for is the fact that it casts Boom Bust. Right. Um, Which is a deck that has been, like, apparently through moto testing and streaming, it's been doing actually pretty decently, and that ability is pretty strong right now, especially as we were talking about man lands, or lands in general moving forward, are really important at this Pro Tour, and so boom bust in general is decent, and then into this later where you just get this curve topper. I do think, A, we've mentioned before, five drops are now a thing to look at. Right. Five drops are no longer out of the question, I think, in this format. I think they're still problematic, because you still have, in fact, affinity. They're still the decks that... Kill you on turn four, not just blatantly kill you like uh, Splinter Twin did. But I think a 4-4 mana for four is also just kind of generally on curve. That's really aggressive as a spell. For five. For, for five.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, my only thing with this card, because I, again, I was talking about this card in, in our Highlander format we always play as a possibility. And I, I think it's powerful. Like, there's no doubt. You know, red doesn't really get access to an effect as powerful as this usually. But the thing is, five mana in modern, even without Splinter Twin, is... It's a tall order. I mean, it's it's getting you a more selective version of what a Bloodbraid elf was doing, and that card got banned. But it's also five instead of four.
1: But it's a four-four, difficult to block in a format where people generally don't have a bunch of creatures on the board. It it doesn't die to well, lightning dif- bolt. Dif-
3: difficult to block, difficult to cast, right? Like I mean,
0: doesn't doesn't attack <laughs> until true, turn true, 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 true. six. I mean, like you have to. Well, no, but that, that turn six,
1: you've already cast it, it. You gain value when it comes in. You're ga- so, like you gain a lot of value by getting a free
0: spell. Just playing
2: it, yeah.
3: You you you, are, you already mentioned Boom Bust, but I mean also there's also Molten Rain in Modern, right? Like yeah, right, right. You, right. You know, there, there have been red-blue, uh, you know, Magnavore decks that have, you know, succeeded in, in, in past larger formats. And, you know, the, 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 this card, you know, becomes Acidic Slime in that deck. Right? It becomes a 4-4. Four, four, yeah, 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 You know, it becomes an Acidic Slime meets Endric Stompowler. You know, it's four four five that just happens to take out a land or take out all the lands. Yep.
0: Yeah, no, I mean this um, that the, the land destruction deck in modern has been like a thing that's talked about forever, and I, I was on that corner a lot over the summer trying to. When Tron was getting so big, I was trying to figure out you know my own boom bust strategy because everybody everybody's played the flagstones of Care version from standard, and then people have tried the you know the with the, the uh, sack lands that you you know you can do on turn three. I mean, there's a lot of interesting ways to try to pull it off, and so I can see where this card would fit in. It's just. Maybe as a one or two of, but I can't really see the deck that's playing for though. I mean, it's worth more than I would have expected at this point for a card that was both a, was a buy a box promo and it's just a rare, right? It's worth like four or five dollars, I yeah,
1: because it's really good.
0: It's like yeah. I, I I think
1: we'll see this card more than you guys are giving uh, it credit.
3: Uh, well, I, and I actually, I mean, if you uh, you know, I guess if you if you know, again thinking about those Tron decks and thinking about those those weird Eldrazi ramp decks, like if you have the ability to like really, you know, just you know, stone rain them into oblivion.
1: Right. What are they going to like? Like right now, this format scapeshift is a deck that's high on everyone's radar. Boom bust is great against them. You have, um, Tron decks, another deck that killing their lands is a problem. That's a deck high on everyone's radar. You have the Eldrazi deck. And then not to mention like in the format in general, there are three and four color decks that people want to kind of color... You know, you can color screw them out. Right. You have, like, the amount of different versatility uses and spell lands in this format. Like, I, I, there's so much to do with that shell and getting to cast Boombust for free and then have a 4-4 four, four medicine. They have nothing. Right. Or you get one of your removal spells back. Like, this completely can come into play and cast Abrupt Decay or cast Lightning Bolt or cast, you know, whatever other removal spell you need to stop what they're doing.
0: Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I get it. It's uh, it's it's very good. I mean, no, no doubt about it. Yep. All right. So, uh...
1: So I'm gonna I'm gonna do my just no, number three because we're on number three and my three has already, said already my, been said. Okay, so you go first.
0: My number three is Kozilek's return. Okay, and that's I. Talk I mean, about why you think it's a number
1: three versus a number eight.
0: <laughs> I mean, the more we've talked about it,
1: to be honest, versus
3: an honorable mention. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So, so you can see here originally when I made my list, um, I'm showing it to Alex for proof that it was normally number seven. And Jory was number three, and I switched them last minute. Like, I'm very proud of that switch. <laughs> um, I don't think Jory is necessarily number three, but I also don't think that Kozilek's return is actually number three. Because after we talked about it, the more I thought about it, it was like, the only deck that would want this, really, as an instant speed version of a Pyroclasm, would be a Tron deck. Right? That would be, that would be the deal. But the thing is, if, you're not, if it's not Tron, then what deck is playing this? Because what other deck gets value off the second version? And if you're not going to get value off the second version, then why aren't you really just playing Pyroclasm? Because despite the fact that it's an instant, nobody plays Volcanic Fallout. I mean, like, does the Eldrazi decks play a seven drop? Uh, I mean, they play big creatures, right? They play a couple think, big creatures. I think they top out five though. Yeah, I don't. I can't oh, the Eldrazi decks, not Tron. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, I again, I could be wrong. Like my initial inclination on this card is this was the most expensive card, you know, from pre-order when we when the set was spoiled. So it makes me think that if I was to drop it super low, I'm missing something because, generally speaking, the most expensive card in pre-order when it's not a Planeswalker is a card that's probably going to be pretty good. But uh, maybe not for Modern. Maybe it's just – we could be wrong. St- Tron could be huge, and this card could be huge in it. We will see. Um, I don't think I need to defend it. What do you guys have at number three?
3: I, I have Thought knots here. Only no, number nice.
1: three. Nine's higher than that, too. My, it's number two for me. Uh, okay. Nine, uh, no, mine's not number two either. <laughs> I wonder what it is.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, yes. Yeah, I mean, Thought, Thought Nuts here is a card that is. Uh, uh, let's just say I think it's going to be in scarce supply by the time we get to the Pro Tour.
0: That yep. card is nuts. I mean, it's made for Modern. It's a it's a four four Vendillion click for four. Like, what what well, on earth? Like, uh, I mean,
3: it's it's actually I mean, in terms of hitting the battlefield, it's a, actually a little better than yeah, Vendillion click, I agree. right? Because they don't better. get another. They don't. Well, they also don't get a card immediately. Right. When when you do it right, like there's sometimes you're like, oh, okay, Vendillion click you, and you're like, they're like take a card, and you're like, oh cool, I drew some other card that I like. Right. You right. know, like you know, you you replace that card, uh, and you know, usually it's not good enough, and you die to the Vendillion click. But you know, sometimes you find your card a little sooner. And also, and this this they actually have to deal with this. To get their card back. Also To get like, a card back.
0: V click, like historically, you know, and, I mean, this is in legacy this happens more often, but like modern as well, it happens a pretty fair amount. Cast doing click, okay, before ability resolves, Bolt your click. It's like that's a standard thing that happens and, and with this card, Lightning Bolt's not gonna do much, nor it's is lightning proof nor bolt-proof. is
1: abrupt decay. Yeah, we just <laughs> talked about how being abrupt decay proof and lightning bolt proof is like really good in the format. Well one of the reasons I think pod was an actual problem was because it cost four mana, not three mana. Yeah, I like mean it's
0: it's, <laughs> it's uh and this card's gonna be Pretty, pretty nuts and again once again in those Eldrazi decks we talked about that a reality yeah. smasher this was the other card in like the whole the whole notion that like a deck that was already creeping up people's list is scary is just is getting thought not here and reality smasher just added to the format are you I, nuts
3: you know you know it feels a little bit like the Eldrazi deck is becoming the the I mean maybe you just said this and I'm just repeating you did you say becoming the affinity deck
0: no, but I I think we, we called last week on the or I called last week in the podcast that by next pro tour, I have Ugin will be banned one hundred percent. Like that's my that's my bold prediction now. Oh
3: yeah, I have seen I've seen a couple of other people say it. Corbin Hosler's also said that a couple times. Right. Uh and I mean it's it seems like it's gonna be a gross a gross card. Uh but I mean it feels like there's just this like critical mass
1: yeah. well,
3: that... uh, of of these of these really, really good cards that are hard to deal with and just make your opponent's life miserable if they don't deal with them. Right. right? It, it, you know, it's just like damned if you do damned if you don't kind of cards
0: makes you feel like you wonder if they're trying to construct if maybe part of the point of the splinter twin band was to move modern towards a format. That's a little more just like we're going to make three, four and five more powerful, more powerful than
3: you guys can possibly imagine. <laughs> and you're
0: not going to be able to argue that, that combo decks and aggro decks are the best things because these cards we're printing are so good.
3: Man, I'm liking this molten rain deck more and more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: I mean, I'm, like, I'm only half kidding.
1: <laughs> I know. I, hey, there's a reason I put it in my top five. It's my number four. <laughs> it's because that deck seems sweet. But I mean, my uh, thought nuts here. If you haven't realized, is my number one. Uh, a first off, this is a two drop in, in half, ha- like with, a third of the time in the Eldrazi with Ugin deck. Ugin and Temple, yeah, which is insane. The other thing is just like this, or Ugin and Erborg, both. Uh, Ugin Orb doesn't because you don't get free colorless. It's a three drop. So, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a three drop. But beyond that, like Ugin Temple, my yeah. biggest complaint I think of the Splinter Twin Ban is that mix up the format. They wanted to mix it up to get the thing, so you'd have something in this set from the new set right. in, the, in the Pro Tour. But I think that was already going to happen. I think this deck was built to do well in this Pro Tour, and I think Splinter Twin was probably a decent matchup because of Thought not Seer. Yeah, and now that's just not gonna interesting. And but, Warping Whale, well, right? like warp,
3: warp, Warping Whale well also does a little bit of work for that for that right. matchup.
1: Yeah, agreed. And so, like, it, it's it's a deck that I think already was well-positioned to mix up the format. And now, I like, I'm afraid it might be just too good. And that's why the Ugin Band is being talked about. And we'll see at the Pro Tour. And
0: War, I mean, Warping Whale, well, in a lot of ways, does feel like a card that is design was designed... At the time, it was designed to be good against the modern that we saw at the time it was being designed. So when Splinterton was just, like, the deck, and it was, like, the only deck, it's like, okay, well, this... G- <laughs> You know, this card exiles the two pieces of creature combo, so as well as just like being generally, you know, pretty versatile. And it's funny that now we have it and we don't need it anymore against Splinter Twin.
3: Right, yeah.
1: Oh, so interesting. Officially, my entire list has been spoiled. But all right. Uh, has everyone done their number three? Oh, my number three. My number three is Reality Smasher.
0: Okay, we've talked about that. Sweet. It's going to smash realities.
1: It's going to be sweet. <laughs> yeah,
0: that card is bonkers. I think that
1: card, like, the the one point I have about it is, and this is also true with Not Seer, I, I think both of those cards have home outside of just the Eldrazi deck. So I think they're both powerful. Like, I had Thought Not Seer in my... Uh... Um, pre-release pre-release packet and it was just the best card I had all week true
0: story at the pre-release I played against our buddy Eric and he opened a pool with two reality smashers in it brutal (laughs) but my pool was so like so I opened all the cards and I was like god this is an obscene amount of like conditional and cheap removal but I was like I didn't get anything good except for just a bunch of conditional and cheap removal I was like this deck sucks and I play against Eric barely lose game one mulligan out of game two and i'm like i was right we play three more games for fun and i crush him including two games in a row that he drew drew both reality smashers i managed to win both of them and then i win every game the rest of the tournament still ended up getting third place just because i lost the first round so annoyed
1: (laughs) all right so yeah reality smash is good i can't i can't talk about it more i think that card's sweet i think five drops are better hence my number four so let's let's uh move to number two
3: uh, my, my number two is Worldbreaker. I actually went in a different direction for my oh. big Eldrazi that I like. Six green, six and a green for a creature Eldrazi. It's mythic rare. Devoid when you cast Worldbreaker. Exile target artifact enchantment or land. It also has reach sort of randomly. <laughs> and then it has two colorless sacrifice land return Worldbreaker from your graveyard to your hand. Uh, so, I I I love this card. I think this card is just such a mirror breaker, uh, in these in these kind of like Eldrazi ramp decks. What, how fast do you think you can cast this card in a uh, in a dedicated Eldrazi deck?
1: Turn four. It's an eight drop. If, seven drop.
3: It's a seven drop.
1: Okay. Turn four still
3: for, so if I cast, for Tron. If I, and if I cast this on t- turn four against maybe someone else who's setting up their Tron or setting up their Eldrazi engine or. You know you 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 just suddenly put your opponent just full you know we've been talking about joking around about molten rain but like this card actually just pushes your opponent off of their game plan right if, you, if you're playing this card and you get to cast it and you have i mean heaven forbid you have some way to like sacrifice it and return it
2: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you
3: know
1: well and, and uh, i would also say like having reached incidentally isn't that incidental in this format like this is the format where like wall omens isn't the best thing on the planet because you have all of these flyers. It's specifically Infect and Infinity. So if you can get this on turn four, you're able to stop their Infect creature. And even better, you get to destroy sure. their man land and then block their creature. Or even in a both like both with Affinity and Um Infect, which are those are the decks you need to block flyers, and bad matchups for Tron even. That does a lot of work right there.
3: Yeah, yeah I like I like I like both of these uh, I, I like this in both standard and modern, actually. I, I think I think this card's I think this card's terrific.
0: Um, yeah, I mean like the only my only issue with a card like this is that it definitely does something when you cast it, so it's good in that sense, but it is I mean it there's it's not uncounterable. It's not like I'm just imagining all these yeah, really
3: Well, it's, ab- its abilities, its ability is uncounterable. Yeah, the
1: the the destroyer land is a cast trigger.
0: No, I know that. I just mean, but like, you have to be able to, even if it is turn four. Like, there's so many aggressive decks in the format that are trying to close out their plan to kill you on turn four. Bet- whether it's affinity, whether it's infect, whether it's yeah, zoo, whether those it's red, really have counter spells. But,
3: but how about how about I how about I kill your reality smasher?
0: It's yes, the- that is sweet. <laughs> that is sweet. That's true. I mean, I definitely cards. I mean, the end's that card like that. actually
3: does that. Does that work? Is it considered the target of a spell?
0: No, I don't think so because it's an end of the battlefield. (laughs) Oh
1: wait, no, 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 it's it's a spell.
3: It's a when you cast.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's when you cast. Becomes the target of a spell and opponent controls counter that spell. Yeah, I think it is a spell.
0: Mm, Interesting, but it's when so when you cast is when you get the ability. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. So So that's so you
1: get it no matter if it's countered and the so like against decks with counter magic it removes a land or does the thing you want it to do and against decks with creatures. The ones that are attacking you, they generally don't have counterspells. Like infect's right. not going to counter this because they don't have remand or anything. So this comes down and then blocks their attacker and blows up their man land. That's a big game. I, I, I thinking about it, I like this card a lot more than I did when reading
3: it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I think this card this card is very exciting. And I think if we are heading into a world of, you know, like big mana colorless decks or green black eldrazi decks and tron decks that i think this is a card that actually just uh lets you still do what you do and also can put your opponent off their game
0: yeah i mean it, we'll, we'll see this is this is definitely of, of all the ones you've talked about when you said you wanted some of these are home run hitters this is one that sounds to me like this is reaching for a home run and if you're right. This will be the most you'll, – you'll be able to say at the Pro Tour, I was on a podcast just a couple days ago talking about this is my number two card at the Pro Tour. It's on record. I called it. Uh, you know, I, I have a hard time believing it, but I'm, I don't know, man. I mean, it, it's a powerful fact. I didn't realize it was when you cast it, so that's, uh, that changes the game.
1: The more you know. All right. What's your number, what's your number two?
0: Uh, my number two was Thought Natsu. Oh okay. I think I think you said all yours and I think BDM and I pretty clearly have the same number one unless unless you just did you not include Oath of Nyssa?
1: No, okay, so (laughs) let's let's do our number two. Finish number two. Mine's Storm. Storm Chaser Mage. You have to give the exact layout. Oh sorry. Do I countdown. Thought, yeah. Don't ruin the countdown. <laughs> so my, my number two is Storm Chaser Mage. Yep. Uh we talked about it already. It's really good. It's super sweet. We, yeah. Like there's obviously a teamer <laughs> like deck that's already built. That's prowessy and great. The,
0: the that teamer deck, that's the one that plays like Rancor, right? And it plays like Yeah,
1: it, I'd play one Rancor with this. That seems sweet. <laughs> I, or, <laughs> or like yeah. a two of Rancor.
0: Oh and Keen Sense, doesn't it play Keen Sense? I thought I saw I thought I saw that that deck plays Keen Sense. It the, does, right? Keen Sense is. Blue Curiosity. Blue, or Green Curiosity. Oh, maybe. I guess it would have just. Might as well just. Because can play. just
3: play the Blue Curiosity, can't they?
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. I, I don't know why I thought that. I thought uh, somebody streaming it. It the, seems the
3: awesome. Blue, though. The Blue Keen Sense. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um,
1: yeah, no, the deck's awesome. I definitely like. I'm going to slide this in. I have the Prowess white version. I think I'm just going to make the, the green version and slide it in. All right. So. So, number one.
0: Number one so, on my list is Oath of Nyssa. What is your number one, BDM?
3: Yeah, my number one is also a thickness. I think this is the the most ready-made card for the pro tour. Yeah, I mean, it's just,
0: for me, the reason this goes in at number one is just like, okay, there's a a few things that immediately come to mind, right? So this is a, you talk about Jund or you talk about Abzan, either one of those mid-range decks that will be a force. It always is. They're always good. This is a legendary enchantment. So it's going to dig on turn one. It's going to make casting your Liliana on turn three easier. It's also going to mean that when it blows, when one blows up the other because of legendary rule, it still triggers and it makes your Tarmogoyf bigger in a deck that normally doesn't have an enchantment to make your Tarmogoyf bigger, which is very interesting on its own. It's yeah. another, it's like another card selection spell of three cards that you can play on turn one. That right now all we really have is Serum Visions, that is good. Um, but it's you know like but it doesn't go into either of the two decks you just described <laughs> and on, and on top of that serum visions is the I think is the single most played card in modern that or like lightning bolt
1: no, no it's, it's lightning bolt path serum visions okay position so of Co
0: it's in the top three spell Spellskite? Like, Spellskite, 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 <laughs> Spellskite. yeah no it's it I mean the fact that this is printed is like one of those one of those things where you're like it doesn't seem that powerful like it doesn't seem like just over the top. It just seems like so completely a card that will be tried out in. Like this gives this gives you the ability to game plan so many different shells for rogue brews you want to come up with. That's the other cool thing. It's another one drop. I mean, I just I just think that's awesome. What do you think?
3: Yeah, it lets let you play turn two Tebald right off of a, a green yeah. mana yeah. turn one man. This is like what what more could you want? uh No, I, I love it. I mean, I I'm, I'm super I'm super excited about this card. This was my preview card actually for for daily MTG. Oh really? And uh, you know, I, I definitely feel like we've seen all the cool toys that Blue used to get uh, shifting into green, right? Like, you know, we when was the last? What was the last Ponder? You know, that was printed for Blue.
0: Uh, preordain was the last one that got printed, Anticipate. and that was like yeah. four or five years ago. Anticipate yeah. costs two, though. Sure. So, like but...
3: to, to get to get a, a single mana deck manipulation spell in green like this uh, that that also just has all this incidental value that you already alluded to in, in modern, you know, like the ability to just go, Oh, I don't really care what lands I have. I'm going to play my Liliana of the veil on turn three
0: right I guess the is, last
3: is just spectacular
0: I guess the last unofficial one the last like we'll, we'll call it a point 0.5 was either anticipate or thought scour because even though Scott thought scour didn't yeah,
3: thought scour is my favorite it does thought scour is my favorite of those cards it so. doesn't <laughs>
2: technically
0: have card selection but it sort of does yeah, and yeah the like,
3: only way the only way I could like oath of nissa anymore is if it put those cards you didn't pick into your graveyard oh, are
0: you man. in Kessler kindred spirits are you like are you like the dredge like you'd love to fill your graveyard guy? I, mean,
3: I, I I play I so so the year uh, Brad Nelson and David Ochoa made the top eight of U.S. Nationals playing Vengevine
2: right.
3: was because I somehow bamboozled them into playing my deck.
0: Oh yeah,
1: Vengevine.
3: Awesome. I think is Alex's <laughs> single favorite
0: card ever.
1: That was my like first tier. I, mean, I guess it was tier two, but tier one deck I ever built. I had that dredgevine list built. I was so happy. That like,
3: was... Yeah, that was that was like my my jam. I played that uh, incessantly. I I love it. I love. Anything with things going to the graveyard. I mean, spider spawning is obviously, like, my favorite card. I played spider spawning in Standard. I have a spider spawning. (laughs) I I have a spider spawning commander deck. Like, I just love uh, graveyard shenanigans.
0: Dude, speaking of spider spawning, I played an Innistrad draft the other night at a local store. Uh, They just opened some boxes of it. And a bunch of these people that didn't know the format, one guy across the table did, and he got two spider spawnings, and he was trying to make that deck. But the beauty of it was, not only did I open Mare of Averbrook, which is like my single favorite card of the Bloodline Keeper to open in the whole set, some guy across the table, like one to the right of the spider spawning guys, opens a foil uh, Daybreak Ranger, and it makes force passes around the table and makes its way to me. In my green-white wow. humans deck, which had, like, you know, basic... Like, I, I opened all three drops in pack one. I was like, oh, this deck must not be open. Pack two, I open Mare, and I get past five two-drops in a row. Gastaff <laughs> Shepherd, you know, the one, the, the one one that flips into a 3-3, three, three, like, just an awesome, awesome deck. Two travel preparations. It was so much fun. And then, you
3: just, and then you just lost to someone gnawing to the bone for 40? No, no.
0: I think I ended up losing in the finals to the guy that had the, uh, the invisible stalker, you know, flight uh, Butcher's Cleaver deck.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, which was like it was really close. It was like one turn, but you know,
1: whatever. See once again I'm gonna bring up Oath and Nissa lets you cast Nissa and Lilian in the same deck. Yeah. Dropping the mic. No, that was my five. I can't it's really good. I I, I'm not saying it's not really good.
0: I, I like it. It's another one of these cards that like if you can get your hands on the foils before like if you find some way to get cheap foils because the card's being opened, and like maybe maybe it doesn't make as big of a splash in standard as people think after the modern season goes down and it's like a little more accessible, you can get your hand on a bunch of foils of this card. It's impossible in my mind that long term the foil of this card is not worth money. I just, just it's, it seems insane.
1: By the way, speaking of sweet foils, I pulled my number one thought not seer. I got my little promo card.
0: Oh, it was the foil? It was
1: the foil thought not seer? I was oh, very, very happy nice. about that. Yeah, it's got a little date on it. It's so pretty. And I opened... like that card's Sweet in foil. By the way, it's like so yeah. rainbowy.
3: I opened the So funny those 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 pre-release cards are so much rarer. Yeah,
2: yeah, than, yeah, yeah. Like
3: like like a foil uh rare or mythic rare with the pre-release stamp on it is like so much rarer like the lands from the last set are so much rarer than the expedition versions of them.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah I can imagine. Yeah, dude. I, yeah, but yeah. nobody.
0: But nobody cares. <laughs> right, right. right. No one cares. That's opened, so funny. I opened Dimensional Infiltrator as mine. <laughs> oh, congratulations! But I, but, but I also, in another pre-release that I played, got the uh, got Mattery Shaper, and somebody oh, prompt, and somebody promptly was like, "I'll give you too much money for this." And I was like, "What's it worth?" And he was like, "I'll give you too much money." I was like, "All right, that's fine." <laughs>
1: I've actually had a pretty good. I've gone Thought Not Seer, uh as the thing. I got uh, Abbot Carol Keep. Oh, sweet. And Morgens and then for uh, M15, I got a uh, Goblin Rabble Master. As my like thing, I've like been hitting that.
0: My best best
1: rare in the set.
0: (laughs) My my best ever that I got was uh, was in one pack at uh, M12's pre-release. I opened regular Primeval Titan foil Garrick in the same pack. Yeah, Yeah, that was my that was my best ever open. So uh,
1: so yeah, that's our top ten list. Thought Not Seer is my number one. You guys' Oath of Nyssa, and they're all kind of... Yeah, out-
3: I mean, and, and Thought Not Seer was, what, in the top three for everybody? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of the consensus, like, probably best card. The Oath of Nyssa is just the one that gets me the most excited. Yeah, and, then-
3: and, and I, I think I think the top four, like, everyone had everything pretty bunched together. Storm Chaser Mage, Thought Not Seer, Oath of Nyssa, World is, like, my outlier. Yeah, and I had, I
1: had like Goblin I Dark Dwellers. Ben's list is yeah. probably the most correct, and then you and me had some sweet, way oh. cooler cards. You guys, him. you
3: guys
0: missed out on Jorianne Ruin Ruindiver? Get out of here! And <laughs>
3: it's, it's, in my, it's in my, honorable mentions. If I only you didn't natural, leave that as number by, four. By the way, I also have Natural State in my honorable mentions. Which one's Natural as State? It's just like oh. G for a, dis- yeah.
1: you know, like yeah, yeah, That was my last disenchant cut. effect. That card will we see play. Like th- yeah. I, I can't I, I can't imagine that not I, like at some point, like all the weird, really efficient artifact hate cards have always seen play in modern. I can't imagine this not being among yeah, them. Yeah, and
3: it's it's just like the ability to for the aggro decks to have this without having to give their opponent life. Right, like, which is what they currently have to do. Right. do is we want, is a pretty big a pretty big deal. I feel
1: Like Mono Green Stop, you will play this. Any of like any green white deck will play this, like like the Noggles decks, I can imagine playing this Boggles, Boggles, not Noggles. <laughs> uh, let's all
0: let's all rattle off. So you just gave one. Let's let's just do five seconds each. Like no real explanation on a couple honorable mentions. So you you just gave that one. Um, I'll go I'll go with for an honorable mention, Reflector Mage. I just think that that you know that card's probably pretty powerful. Probably bouncing it and replaying it with uh, with Angel is probably pretty strong. What do you got, Kess? I'm surprised that card didn't see anyone's list. Actually,
3: it's a strong card. Yep. I mean, it's it's, it, really it was, good. it's it's on my honorable mentions as yep. well. Actually, I, cause, I mean, again, you know, you, as you start looking for things to do to reality smashers, you know, that's yeah. that's a nice that's a pretty nice thing to do to a reality smasher.
1: Right. right. What do you got, Cass? Uh Flaying tendrils. Uh, it's the all creatures get minus two, minus two until end of turn. If a creature would die, this turn XL instead. That effects just classically strong. Yeah. When You have a bunch of creature decks out there. If you're not playing red. It's like, like, it junk decks. I can see the seeing play just as a, like, I need to wipe the board of kitchen figs so they go away
0: forever. Yeah, I don't have anger. Yeah, it yeah. seems strong. I, another one that I threw in was, uh, was Oath of Gideon. Um, it's it's yeah it, I love that card. It's really yeah. interesting. I mean, the, the reason it's really interesting it's it's twofold. So number one, obviously, like there's a lot of pretty aggressive decks in the format that like let's just say you're on the play and you can get two one ones as part of your strategy to block. That's fine. Like you don't really care if they both die the next turn blocking. But then the most important thing is that there's tons of format of planeswalkers that are powerful. That if you play them an extra loyalty, it's like a game changer. That like
1: They can ultimate that turn or I, I I think this card's better than people are giving it credit to. Uh, I mean mo- standards. For sure. And then in Modern, I can see it. Just because, like, it does the two things you want when in a Planeswalker Super Friends deck. It comes down turn three, so before most Planeswalkers come down. It then protects the Planeswalkers you play next, and it makes them way better.
0: Yeah, you just... I mean, like, I'm not going to just, like, just start running through Planeswalkers. But if you think about, like, all of these different Planeswalkers that are always, like, borderline playable. But you're like, oh, I can't do it for X, Y, or Z reason. Just the fact that they come down on four. I mean, everybody knows, like... If you play, you know, Architect of Thought, and it comes down on five, like it's significantly better, right? Like, there's just, all, like, both Kioras are probably like considerable. Like, there's just Narset. I mean, there's like real, there's real considerations if you're playing four mana planeswalkers with this card, and it's just another one of those things that didn't sure. make, make an effect that hasn't happened. I mean, I, I want to know really quickly, by the way, guys. Just like I know, I know we laughed about it, but like, do you disagree that like the the notion that Dimensional Infiltrators rate not having existed until now is <laughs> no, no, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm serious. I want to s- talk about my one weird pick, and I want you to tell me how great it is. It was at
0: the beginning, be- and so we were moving on. I'm just curious because, like, I've stated this to a few people, and most people have sort of scratched their head, and I'm wondering, like, why am I? Am I just seeing this totally incorrectly?
3: Uh I could. I mean, you made you made a compelling case for it. I mean, like, I could see it as like a you know, as we talked about it a little bit more, like a uh, you know, going back to an older school of magic when you had um, oh. What was the name of that stupid card? It was red, blue, one for an free It was a 2-1 flyer. You flip a coin. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know the one. I,
3: I, I, can't, I, I don't know why I can't remember the name Vi- of it. The also. one from
0: Visions, are you talking
3: about? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Rain- and, uh, Rainbow Efreet?
3: Is that the one? Not the Rainbow free Rainbow free you, you paid mana for. This was just flip a coin, and if you won the flip, it ex- it died. And if you phased lost it, or if or you something? won the flip, it, it just faded. It phased out. Yeah, right. So you right. could save. So it was difficult to kill. So like this is a card that, that you know presents a certain amount of uh, resistance to your opponent being able to deal with it.
0: Yeah, fair enough. All right, Well, we don't have to harp on it. I'm just yeah, I think lingering souls it's bigger. Yeah, lingering souls, but lingering souls is a good card and is good against a lot of things. So, sure. yeah, it doesn't you know, it's not not a reason my, to just discredit it so.
2: Anyway,
3: my my, my, my other honorable mention card is uh, I had slipped through space also in my honorable mentions by the way, but okay. uh mirror mirror pool
0: yeah so my only th- my only thing with Mirapool is like I like, okay, with the deck that would most wanna copy something would be a deck that's playing like a really big thing and you know wants to save its really big thing if it's gonna get killed, and it's like usually the turn you play the really big thing is the turn you'd want to copy, and when are you gonna have five extra mana the turn you play a big thing?
3: So, yeah, I was thinking about stuff like though with delve, like if it's a murderous cut or something like that where i think I think there's 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 gonna be cards that you can find that couldn't uh
1: I mean, it's definitely a sweet, powerful card. It's a really yeah. powerful. I'm like, land I'm that definitely going to put it in like, a lot of EDH decks.
3: I, I, I mean, I yeah, I definitely want to, you know, do it to a treasure cruise in standard. Yeah, <laughs> seems that so sounds
0: sweet. Awesome. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right, oh, the five man.
3: mana draw
0: six. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, seems good. Um... All right. Well, that wraps up our uh, our top ten cards most likely to see play at Pro Tour Oath of the Gatewatch on the Masters of Modern podcast.
1: Oh, I have a weird honorable mention, really quick. All right, Eldrazi Displacer. Oh yeah, that's two and such a white a sweet card, uh, and then it's devoid, and then you have two in a dev- uh, colorless. You can exile another target creature, then return the battlefield under its owner's control. Uh, it actually saw play. It was in the Eldrazi deck in the sideboard. As tapped a one of, right?
0: Doesn't it enter tapped? Yes, tapped. It's like maze. This is like this is like maze of Ith's creatures for yeah, three. Yeah. It's, it's sweet. Nuts. not know. No. I like it a lot.
3: Yeah, and. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, and, and you didn't say the magic words. Training Grounds.
0: Yeah, no. <laughs> I've said those magic words, BDM, on this podcast more times than you know. And the, first, and the first place I go every time every time I see an activated ability for three is I was literally on the way here thinking like, okay, like what could you do with Dimensional Infiltrator and Mind Shrieker and Training Grounds? I was like, how could I sell this on the episode? But uh,
2: anyway.
1: Oh, there's a, there's one thing. Uh, uh, wandering fumarole the, yeah. the land. It goes infinite with a card. It makes a card get infinitely big. I forgot what it is. Uh, it's like a three-dropped 1-1 one, one from, like, More block. But basically, every time an activated ability is activated, it gets plus 1, plus 0. Huh. So with this, you can just... And you get an infinitely large dude.
3: Huh. Interesting. I don't know how
1: good that is. But that's a thing I forgot to bring up, and Any, I remember. This is, like, the, the footnotes of this episode.
0: <laughs> if a creature's activated ability is activated? Yeah, I think so. Interesting. So, I, hmm. All
2: right.
1: Yeah, there you go. So, I so even better. W- would
0: that mean that the two of the three-drop troll and, like, a Shuko uh you could like do the same thing with
1: if you had another if yeah you could to the
0: troll shuko in this card you could activate it and then just like bounce the shuko between the trolls to make
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah deck we're making it right now let's do it all right all right cool (laughs) once i said once again ten dollars to anyone who plays that deck and top eights the pro tour (laughs) ten bucks and a masters of modern side play mat yeah
0: yeah all right well that uh yeah that wraps up the episode bdm Uh, thank you so much for hanging out and talking this has been so fun
3: Oh my my pleasure my pleasure I hope uh, I hope a couple of these cards uh, make their way to the top eight uh, at the pro tour in a couple days Yeah well,
0: me hopefully, too Hopefully we'll have a good laugh about it uh, next time we talk to you on here uh, In the meantime uh, what, what are you working on What can you tell the folks about
3: Well I mean the the one of the big efforts for me right now is uh, Emergence Genesis the deck building game okay. Which is a uh, a deck building game that uh, I kickstarted with some you know uh, co creators We've published the game. It's out in stores right now. Uh, If it's not in your store, you can tell them to order it from ACD Distribution. ACD is carrying the game. And can they find uh, it online as well? They can find it online. Channel Fireball carries it. Uh, Cool Stuff Inc. carries it. We sell it on our page at UrbanIslandGames.com. All right. Uh, And uh, you know, it's it's definitely out there. It's a lot of fun. It's getting really great reviews. It is uh, the fusion of my two great passions in life which is games and comics i worked with um, some real comic book artists who do work at marvel and dc on a lot of mainstream titles to create this superhero universe of characters that i invented um uh, to create this game world that's awesome and, uh, yeah and it's it's something that uh, I'm, I'm really excited about and i'm really proud of and uh You know, I just, uh, you know, been trying to get the word out about it. So, you know, if you know, if you played it, if you've seen it, you know, you want to go on the board game geek and give us a uh, give us a review. That's awesome. Uh, You know, and if you go into your local game store, you go, hey, how come you don't have Brian's game? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's that's super helpful.
0: (laughs) We should go yell. We'll go yell at them at Heidi
1: Ho tomorrow if they don't have it. Um, Yeah. Uh, And uh, how do we find you on Twitter? The Internet's where to do they find you.
3: I am. uh, I'm at top eight games. Uh, pretty easy to find me. Uh, I'm, I'm always there talking about TV, food, uh, Panda bears, anything, you know, all the time on Twitter. I'm pretty, pretty engaged. Are you a big TV guy? Oh, uh, I, I love, I, I talk about TV. Wait, I watch so much TV. It's what's like I've your killed, favorite show. I've killed, show right killed so many novels. What's your favorite I show? Right uh, wow. Right now I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of sense eight.
2: Okay. yes, yeah, so which, which, which
3: I had, which I hadn't watched. Uh, I loved it, but the, the big show for me this year was Fargo.
0: Yeah, Fargo was. I, you know, I worked the I worked the premiere. Uh, I interviewed a bunch of folks on that show, and uh, this is this is my favorite story from that premiere. Uh, there's an actor named Bokeem Woodbine. Um, yeah, and he's, he's great. Yeah, he's great. So so Bokeem's coming down the carpet, and he, he comes up to me, and I'm like, dude, I am so excited to talk to you. And he's like, oh, cool, man, thank you so much. Everybody wants to talk to Patrick Wilson, and Kirsten Dunst, and I'm like, you have a role in one of my all-time favorite movies. You're never going to guess. He's like, and he's totally taken aback because I'm way too excited. And he's like, what, what, what movie is that, man? And I'm like, Almost Heroes. You played Jonah, Chris Farley's last movie. You were amazing. And he's like, <laughs> and he just looks at this look of disbelief. And he's like, I did not think you were going to say that movie, man. That is, uh, <laughs> proceed to be like one of my best interviews I've ever gotten. It's hilarious. He couldn't stop laughing. So yeah, Fargo's great. Um, yeah. That's awesome. awesome. All right.
1: Now, and to remind all of you guys, uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. We are at the Cast. I am personally at Kess Wiley.
0: I'm at Ben Bateman Media.
1: And make sure to check out our sister podcast, The Command Zone. They do awesome commander content. They're super sweet
0: yeah they're great uh bdm thanks so much man we'll we'll uh, shout you out with this and and uh good luck at the pro tour man i hope i hope uh world breaker is the card you want it to be we'll i've
3: got i've got my money on oath of Ness. i've only got world i've only got world breaker to place yeah so well, do, we, we,
1: do we do, we, do we want a gentleman's bet uh that uh the if if what's what's JorEl? what was your oh jory n Ruin jory n. and world or uh, what was mine the goblins Dark dwellers. Uh, dark dark the, dwellers. Whichever one plays the, places the highest, that person owes the other two people like a, a dinner. Do I have the choice between dimensional if infiltrator win, and, and Jory? Do I, have, do
0: I have the choice between Jory and a dimensional infiltrator? Yeah, you have a choice. I'll take Jory and. Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'll even I'll even cook the dinner All if right. one of you guys wins. Fantastic.
1: Lo- loser buys cake. Oh, yeah. I think also, that's the yeah. Also,
3: by the way, YouTube, uh, YouTube, kitchen table gaming. Is somewhere else you can find me. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Please, please subscribe to the channel. I, I'm going to be making more as soon as I get back from the print Tour.
2: Great.
1: Super cool, man. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks, guys. Yep. Thanks, bye everybody bye. on the internet. We'll see you next week. Bye.
2: Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to themmcast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator.